You know I'm gonna get you, yeah. Whatever it takes to get there. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Basement Talk podcast. I am your host, Ed Birdsell, Master of Ceremonies as usual. And I am, of course, joined by my co-host as usual. A, hmm, I would say scared Jets fan. Jake Simone, is that an appropriate way to describe you right now? Um, not as scared as I guess I could, I should be, but uh, yeah, definitely a little bit worried because with this franchise, you never know, and you just always have to assume the worst. But I, uh, I think I have some confidence in us that we're gonna do right here and uh, hire the right man to lead the charge, and uh, that man not being Doug Peterson. I, I don't. I, I think we're going to stick to our coaching search and we're not going to abandon our whole process and all the hard work everyone's been putting in for the past uh, week or two just to go run for a guy like Doug Peterson. I, I don't think so. So uh, until proven wrong, I'm going to uh, remain positive and uh, hope for the best. And we are, of course, alluding to Doug Peterson being fired as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Not a huge shock given the uh, circumstances of his departure. I don't think what happened on Sunday night, which we've talked about at nauseum, you've heard about at nauseum. No need to go into that again. Uh, probably not a huge shock that Doug Peterson is now gone. But even then, if, if, if any team, let alone the New York Jets, goes and hires Doug Peterson after what happened, that's going to take a lot of explaining to any locker room, I would think. Now, granted, we both were on the same side in saying what Doug Peterson did is not uncommon. It is something that happens all the time. The problem was he did it on national television in front of the entire country and completely embarrassed the Philadelphia Eagles as an organization. I don't frankly. think that had that had nothing to do with his departure. I don't think. I think it was more of uh, the whole staff leaving – and uh, just the owner not sharing the same vision as uh, Doug Peterson shared, I guess. And I don't think Doug Peterson even wanted to be there anymore, to be honest with you. We saw him kind of wave the white flag a bunch of times this year. I think it was just best for both parties to move on. They had a great run together. They won uh, their, their franchise's first Super Bowl, I believe. So it definitely was a successful um, relationship, and uh, it made sense for both parties to move on. And I think Doug Peterson will, will land another job. Um, if not this year, then I think definitely next year. I think it would be best for Doug Peterson to sit out a year, to be completely honest with you, rather than get right back into coaching. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, hopefully he lands a job and he's employed, and hopefully that job is not with the team I root for, long story short. How much of this now do you think impacts Carson Wentz and his ability in terms of potentially staying in Philadelphia? I think it drastically improves it. I really yeah. do. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I know a lot of Eagles fans won't be too happy, um, but – I actually think if the Eagles hire a guy like Brian Dable from the Bills or Joe Brady from the Carolina Panthers, I think Carson Wentz could be sat, you know, could be saved here. And I think an innovative offense, he does have tools to work with. It's not like he's completely shot here. I think if you just ch change up a few things scheme-wise, you you have enough money invested in this guy to give him another look. It won't be too hard because nobody's going to take on the entirety of that contract. So maybe bringing in another coach to work with Carson Wentz and see what you got there. And uh, 
I know it sucks for Jalen Hurts, who showed some things from time to time this year, but is it really outrageous to say somebody would trade a second-round pick for Jalen Hurts? No. No. That, so, that was that was my next question. Is I, If you're keeping Carson Wentz in town, what do you do with Jalen Hurts? I think I trade him for a second round pick. I think it's just too big of a distraction. If he blows, if it blows, blows up in your face, it blows up in your face. But um, I think if you were to ask the Eagles, who would you rather have work out and be successful in Philadelphia? I think it's the guy they have the money invested with. And um, if they were to auction off Jalen hurts for a bidding war for trade, I, it would be interesting. I think you would see some teams really pick up that phone and, uh, it, it, it would be interesting, especially the New England Patriots. Uh, definitely. That was, one, that was one that I had off the top of my head. Pittsburgh Steelers I, as well. I think more so New England because of the Nick Saban-Bill Belichick connection. Belichick wants the mobile quarterback. That's it true. It won't cost them a ton. I think that uh, – I think the dots are there if if he were to go on the trade block. And um, that doesn't mean the Eagles shouldn't draft another quarterback this year. I don't think that completely rules that out. I think if you're in maybe the second or third round and there's a Kyle Trask out there, mm-hmm. you have to think about it. But um, I think the Eagles uh, are going to do right here and hire the right guy. But the name I keep hearing for this job, I don't know if, if you've heard anything differently, it's just from what I've seen from um, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, um, all those quote-unquote experts and insiders, is Mike Kafka of the Kansas city chiefs. And it's I have very, heard that as well. It's very interesting because a lot of people regard Kafka higher than Eric B and mm-hmm. they think he has more to do with the Kansas city Chiefs' success than B and I, I mean, B, well, I, I guess we'll touch on the coaching search a little bit in our conversations today, but B must really interview terrible because how many interviews has this guy had over the last three years? He's probably had about 20 interviews and no job. Some, yeah. Something's not right there. And uh, it is a rumor that Andy Reid does protect the quarterback coach more than the offensive coordinators. I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but I have heard the same thing. So it's just very interesting. And the Eagles are just going to go back to the well for more Andy Reid disciples. I mean, I guess it worked last time. So God sure. bless him. Sure. It won him a Super Bowl. So, but I mean, you know, if, if before we move on and talking about what, the rest of the show has to offer because there is a lot to get to in a very short amount of time. If you have a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, who are going to have a first round pick in the mid twenties, there's not a lot that Pittsburgh really needs outside of maybe a corner. Um, Maybe you draft an offensive lineman, potentially running back, running back. Sure. But if you see Jalen hurts, and you say, you know what? We like Jalen Hurts more than our first round pick. Does Pittsburgh offer up their first round pick for Jalen Hurts and just say, you know what? There's our guy for the future. There's the there's the guy after Big Ben. Well, I guess a lot of it would have to be how they evaluated him last year. I mean, they, they yes. could have drafted him. To, I'm trying to think. Well, they picked. Uh, they could have drafted him in the first yeah, round. Where'd they, where'd they pick last year in the draft again? I'm drawing a blank. They were they were towards the back, but they were... Um, really, though? Ben was hurt late. I guess, yeah, they, they did go... Uh, what was yeah. the record without Ben? It was like... They were 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay, so they're picking in the middle. So were they they were before Philadelphia in they the draft. They were before Philadelphia, so, so they, could've they, could've draft, they could've they could have taken them twice. They could have taken them twice, so we really don't know how high Pittsburgh is True. Uh, on them. But I think 
the team I'm, I'm going to keep going back to is New England here. I think that is yeah. – and, and I think another one uh, just – I think he's going to be outside the NFC. I think the Denver Broncos as well make a lot of sense. Makes a ton of sense. To add a little competition. And he would be Drew Lockout in the competition with these, I would say. So and, and 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 maybe another one just throw out there. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? Mm, I don't see it. I I think they do like Derek Carr. I know a lot of people can disagree on that, but I I don't see it. They have a lot of money invested there with Derek Carr. I don't know. That's another team that could have drafted him twice and and didn't last year. True, but if they're looking, if they are looking for a backup plan to Carr, because he has, I believe, he has a year or two left on that deal that he signed. You know, are you are you looking for the future? Do you want to sit Jalen Hurts for a year or two? See, but, I feel like if you trade for Jalen Hurts, though, you got to play him right away. True. Make your first round pick worthwhile. That's listen. It's a very fair point. Very very fair point. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens with with the Eagles because now they are they're late to this coaching search party, and I don't know. I don't know how appealing the Eagles' job really it's appealing. is. It's appealing. I would say I would definitely say I think Brian Dable is is going to get that job. I think that's unfortunate for the Jets, but it just it's still on the East Coast. It's the Eagles. I get it. They're not exactly the classical franchise that the Bears. Uh, I guess the Bears are a classical franchise, but they're not like the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys. Sure, they're not one of those teams. But at the same time, it's the it's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's still it's not like you're going to coach the uh, the Cleveland Browns or the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, it's not like a, a poverty franchise here. And sure, but there's a lot of work that has to be done with the team. I know. Uh, I, but at the same time, the division's wide open, though. Yeah, well, so that's that also, also a counterpoint. Though. Yeah, is the route to immediate success is there. in terms of winning the division title is absolutely there with the Philadelphia Eagles, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so that was the mini uh, Doug Peterson discussion. We have NFL divisional preview. Of course, wild card weekend wrapped up. We move on now to divisional rounds. We'll be previewing all of those games. And then after that, we will be covering a full breakdown of the NHL season. That will be coming after the divisional preview. We'll bring on Andrew and Connor to discuss the NHL. But for now, Jake, as we usually do to start the show, what's your deep sleeper of the week, my friend? My deep sleeper of the week Um I'm going to have to go with one that will be utilized tonight for the uh, national championship game. How about air fryers and how underrated they are? And I think they're a necessity for a, uh, a sports fan like you and myself. And, you know, you're sitting down and don't really, you, you want to cook your, your snacks and meals for the day, just sitting around watching a nice game. Throw your wings in the air fryer. Throw your fries in the air fryer. Throw whatever you want in the air fryer. It's just like going out, getting it from a restaurant, and you get the satisfaction of cooking it yourself. It's it's really good, and I I recommend to our listeners to invest in a quality one because you get what you pay for. No free advertising, of course. But what is what is the brand of choice air fryer that you that you have in your possession? I actually have to go look at it to be honest with you. Ooh. I don't know. It was a gift, so. Oh, it was a gift. Okay. It was a gift. It was a gift. I have to, I would have have to go look a very, very good one. Very, very good one. Like it's it's nice. It's got a nice little grill. It must've cost a lot. So I'm, I'm very thankful for, um, that's a very good gift. Didn't have to utilize the gift receipt there. Hallelujah. 
I know. Was, and that was a deep sleeper last week. It was a deep sleeper last week, but it did not pertain to this gift. So oh, goodness. I would have to go look at it. Um, you know, I don't want to get up and go look at it in my kitchen. Maybe next time when we, uh, before our deep, I reveal my next deep sleeper, I'll, I'll let our listeners know and uh, won't be free advertising like you said, but. That'll um, be, that'll be your homework to let the listeners know what kind of uh, deep fryer you use. Yeah, but just the overall um, conclusion to my deep sleeper, go out and get an air fryer. It'd make you happier. So my deep sleeper of the week, and this is something that transpired on Sunday during uh, the wild card game. And this is something that I think has divided a lot of opinion amongst um, between the, shall we say, conservative football watchers and the more um, eh, in, in risk of making this sound political, liberal minded uh, football watchers. My deep sleeper is the slime zone, the slime zone. And I don't know, Jake, if you watched the game between the saints and the bears on Nickelodeon, or did you stick to traditional ways and watch it CBS with uh, Jim and Tony? I watched it traditionally. I got, I, I couldn't deal with the whole, it just, it, it's a lot going on for me. And I think that's cool. You know, you want to get kids, uh, more engaged with football and sports. Uh, I did. I did hear though that there was a, an f bomb dropped in there on Nickelodeon. I heard it did make its way in there. It did. Um, so we really, we really are giving the kids a very realistic uh, viewing experience of the National Football League, and that that's probably with no fans. You hear all that now. So it's I, I've heard a lot of f bombs and other slur words that uh, kids really shouldn't be uh, hearing, but. Uh, they did anyway, and I, I think it was good. I, I like it, but yet again, I'm a 23-year-old man here, so I, I I can't be watching kids' cartoons when when football a, a playoff football game. If it's a Jets game and I really don't give a shit about it, uh, you know, in the month of December, maybe I'll have to watch it on Nickelodeon to make it worthwhile. But playoffs Just get get no. high or something. I was I was well, saying that that if anything, we should have done shrooms and just watched the slime zone on shrooms. That, that would have been an experience. Well, um, for all of our families listening and kids, uh, I don't know what he's eat your talking vegetables, about. kids. Eat, eat your vegetables. I I don't know what he's talking about. Mushrooms are, uh, you know, from the ground and uh, they're they're really good. So they're a fungi. I, you know, I don't know what he's talking about. They're a fungi. Eat your vegetables, kids. I, look, I understand. I understand the appeal. I understand the appeal, but the traditionalist in me, I did not have control of the clicker, so I want to say put that out there first because the traditionalist in me would have turned on Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Oh, of course, Tony Romo for you. Of course, it's national treasure. Come on, college football Hall of Famer. But there was something about this where at first I I was watching. I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? This is this is just terrible. Like I don't get I don't care what Cameron Jordan's favorite ice cream is. I don't care what David Onyemata was watching as a seven-year-old on Nickelodeon. It's a nice little plug for for Nickelodeon to show that football players are much children too. We all were. Cycle of life. But then as it started going on and on and on, I was like, you know, I I I, I kind of kind of like it. Yeah. Kind well, of. Let me ask you. I I know we have we have a lot more to discuss, but sure. 
what was this whole thing with the kids voting Mitch Trubisky as the end? <laughs> what does MVP mean? It was the Nickelodeon. It was the Nickelodeon valuable player. So what did Mitch? Was it just a joke by the kids or like so, I? So I don't understand. Happened, How was he eligible for the award? So what happened was they basically had and. I went on just to see, you know, what the deal was. So they basically gave you a list of like six players. It was between like Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Cameron Jordan, uh, Trubisky, Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, you know, the, the big name guys. And you vote on them for the MVP. And a popular podcast on Twitter that belongs to a big name company, which we all know. Yeah. No free advertising. One of the hosts of said program put out there to his hundreds of thousands of followers, whatever, to vote for Trubisky, regardless. And that's exactly what happened. Is it everyone voted for Trubisky just as a, ha, you know, fuck you. And Nate Burleson was, you could see, he was beside himself. Yeah, he was probably. So do you think Trubisky actually like values that award or is he just like, wow, I'm, would, I'm a joke. Like, he I'm would throw, throw that. He probably is going to throw that in the garbage. What a waste of an award. Or he's so, going to just give it to his dog to chew up. Somebody else could have a nice blimp right now. Trophy, but. It would have been Cameron Jordan. That was the guy who they interviewed after the game as their player did, of the game. Did they interview Mitch Trubisky when they gave him that or? No. I was going to say that must be the most awkward interview ever. Hey, your season's over. You lost. You don't know if you're going to be the starting quarterback here next year say, or not. Just, just here's your, a nice blimp. your career. Yeah. Y- your career might be over, but don't worry. Here's a nice blimp because everyone else knows you're a joke too. Thank you for your service. Here's Thank a blimp. You. Any here's comments? A, here's a, here's a nice column. orange blimp. Yeah. My column. <laughs> yeah. And the kid, the kid that was interviewing Cameron Jordan too was 14. Nice. Think about nice. how far, think about how far you and I have come in our lives and then realize that a kid is 14 and getting paid to interview NFL players in a game that nobody is allowed in. And we're the two schmucks on this podcast. Well, we are living the dream, unlike the 14-year-old who doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Because apparently, in case you didn't know, this this kid did not know who Mitch Trubisky was, clearly. Because he was saying, he said, and I, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but the underlying point is... Apparently, now it's Mitch Trubisky, not Mitch nice. Trubisky. Nice. Grammar's hard for people. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Grammar's a little tough for people. It's okay. All right. So that's that. We are now moving on to the divisional rounds. And I would say that this slate of games is – very, very, very interesting. Very, very compelling as well. Um, I, listen, I think, that if anything, the NFC and the AFC after this past week of games, maybe if there was one team that was an overwhelming favorite to win, maybe not so much anymore because Buffalo looked terrific. They'll probably go as far as Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs take them. Didn't cover. Didn't cover, no, but they looked they looked good. Um, Baltimore, I mean, look, I, I've been very critical of Lamar Jackson in the past. Give him credit. I will give him the respect that he deserves. 
because he he changed the game. He changed the game completely. Absolutely. And Wink Martindale's defense just Suffocated. showed out. Yeah. Well, Suffocated. I, I can't wait to pre. That's my favorite game this weekend by far. I, uh, I agree. Ravens and Bills. By far. It's probably going to be in the snow, too. Yep. It'll be a snow game. That's what, that's what it's uh, looking like. And that's going to be, oh. Can't wait to discuss that one. So awesome. Yeah. But we'll start first with the Rams and the Packers. Packers coming into this one as seven point favorites over under 46 in this one. We know the story at this point with the Packers. It's how far Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to take them. But I think what's going to be really interesting for the Packers is how they are able to handle the Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams matchup. Will they move Devontae Adams around? Will they operate him more inside and be a slot guy? Does Jalen Ramsey follow him around? I highly doubt it because that's not really what Jalen Ramsey does. But in this sort of game, could Jalen Ramsey just follow Devontae Adams inside? And we have Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey, which would be that, – that would be something. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jalen Ramsey is going to be able to contain Devontae Adams because I don't think Devontae Adams is coverable. Um, he's too good of a route runner. And – uh you know, this is a DK Metcalf that's more of a one-trick pony, and isn't it? He's just more of a physical specimen, whereas Devontae Adams is just a pure technician and knows how to get open and has the footwork. Just the release, it, he's got it all, man. And yeah. um, he's going to put him on the skates a couple of times. I'm sure Jalen's going to make plays because um, mm-hmm. he's a great player too. But uh, I don't think that is where I'm looking. Where I'm looking is where Aaron Rodgers has struggled this year and in the past. We kind of saw the blueprint when the Tampa Bay Bucks really put it on the Green Bay Packers. You get a pass rush, particularly from the interior, rattle Aaron Rodgers a little bit, sh- uh, what do you call it, shift the coverage towards Devontae Adams, make other plays, make other players like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon make plays. This Packers team could be a little Devontae Adams happy. And um, that is why Aaron Donald – is where I'll be looking at if he's going to be available to play for the Rams. Cause if he is, I think uh, this is going to be a uh, ugly low scoring game. So that's why my prediction is going to be the Packers win, but the Rams cover. See, now I would agree with you. And I think, you know, the one Avenue we didn't even go down is let's say Aaron Donald is playing. Is there much of an Avenue now for Aaron Jones to have a big game? And I don't know what his rushing line is going to look like. If it's anywhere in the 60, 70 yard range for rushing yards, I would probably take the under for that. If you can get a combined rushing and receiving, I would love the under even more. I don't like betting unders on player props. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's easier to bet the over. So if I, if I, if I'm not confident in an over in a play, I don't really bet player props anyway. You know me, I just bet the straight up spreads, but um. I would bet the over and if I were to bet a player prop, but I I would probably, if I had to bet on the prop there, if you had to tell me either, or I guess I'd say under. Yeah. I, I like it with the rushing and the receiving, because I just think that you look, especially if Aaron Donald's there, Aaron Donald's there. I think he's going to be a problem uh, in the interior and he's going to cause a bit of a mess for the Packers. It could be a lot of quick throws from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's going to have, all day to throw like we've seen at times this year where Aaron Rodgers has been able to just be very, very comfortable in the pocket and get it out. I think if Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Donald is there 
Aaron Rodgers is going to have a bit of a tough time in terms of getting the ball out. As for the Rams, um, Jared Goff was forced into action pretty early on and did not look great. Nine for 19 passing, but this was the, this was the Cam Akers show. And he's been someone that if you listen to the required, uh, the required radio fantasy show, well, that's, uh, that's one for the, uh, for the history books there, the basin talk podcast fantasy show. You would have heard me just hyping up Cam Akers nonstop for the better part of the last month, month and a half saying, please go pick up Cam Akers. Please go pick up Cam Akers. He will win you championships. Unfortunately, left in your semifinals with an injury, but has come back here, and he just looks like the lead dog for this Rams running back group, and he looked terrific against the Seahawks. 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown for him. Um, I don't know how much of it was the Seahawks being downright terrible or – the Rams actually having a really, really good game plan in terms of how to stop Seattle. I think it may actually was a combination of both because Seattle has looked inept for the better part of the last month and a half. Yeah. Only frankly. be, only be two winning teams this whole season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, they beat the same amount of winning teams. As the Jets beat this entire year. True. That's true. And one of the teams that the Jets beat <laughs> is now going to the divisional. Yeah. I just want to thank Seattle, though, for those all those draft picks for a player that I think is very average. I'm sorry, and I ne- and you know me, I I never liked Jamal Adams either. No, you were you were not a Jamal Adams guy. Never. I, I will give you that. No, and he played horrible. I mean, let, let's be honest with you, um, with yeah. ourselves. He he played absolutely horrible. And um, I also think we have to keep an eye on Cooper Cup as well mm-hmm. because he would be a, he would be a loss. We've seen Jared Goff without Cooper Cup in the lineup before. And I think it's a little unfair to get on Goff, who didn't look great, but you could tell he wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy, no. He wasn't healthy, and, you know, you need your thumb to throw. If if your thumb is in pain or, you know, you got pins or whatever it is in your thumb, you're not going to throw a good spiral. Um, It doesn't matter who it is. And uh, that's the Seahawks got exactly what they deserve. They want a cheap shot, uh, John Walford. They, you know. That's that's karma, and I'm, I'm glad. I, I I don't like the Seattle Seahawks personally. I, I never have. I think they're very loud and um, arrogant. A lot of lot of bark, not a lot of bite. So yeah, that, nope. I think that's I think that's a very fair uh, fair analysis. Uh, for me, Jake, I, I I agree with you. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than perhaps what people would think coming from the uh, from the Packers. And I think the Packers do win, but I think the Rams cover. And I like the under 46. If you can get that maybe tease to 52, or if you're one of those that just goes for a crazy 10-point teaser, if you're one of those that just loves to kill your value on your uh, your parlays, then, then go for it. Uh, if you want to get that up to 56, I, I, like, the, uh, I like the under there as 20. well, even. Sorry? Yeah, 2016, 2016 Packers final score prediction. I would say, I'll say 2117. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's close. Right in the same ballpark. Yeah. But I would say, I would say either way, you, you want to tease the over, it'll hit. You want to tease the under, it'll hit. So you, you'll be fine. Um, there. So the Packers. Both of us have going to the NFC championship game and hosting 
the winner of the Bucks and the Saints, who we will be covering in just a little bit. So the next game, and I think this is the one that you wanted to talk about. This is the Baltimore Ravens going up to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills and highly chronicled. Uh, the Bills looked decent against the Colts. So it was a tough matchup for them. We knew it was going to be. Uh, Philip Rivers looked good in the game. Jonathan Taylor looked good in the game. But it was a story of really two guys, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, as it's really been all year uh, for the Buffalo Bills. 324 yards, two touchdowns for Josh Allen, six for a buck 28, and a touchdown for Stephon Diggs. The line going in is Bills minus two and a half with an over-under of 50. Um, Jake, for me, this is a big test for Josh Allen. And, I, you know, people want to talk about the Colts and how good the Colts' defense is. I think the Ravens' defense is, is next level. I think they are next level good. They are leaps. I don't want to say leaps and bounds better, but they are definitely better than the Colts defense. And there's definitely more. I think when you mentioned, you know, all bark, no bite, there is a bark and there is a bite when it comes to the Ravens, especially on offense. And especially with the one thing that the Ravens love to do, which is run the football, which is where the Buffalo Bills defense has struggled all year long. Yeah. Um, that is why I'm leaning towards the Baltimore Ravens here because what wins football games in the month of January? Running the ball and playing defense and stopping Controlling the, the clock and playing good defense. Exactly. I think Wink Martindale is going to put together a uh, great game plan as we saw him completely make Derrick Henry look human. Yeah, that, Is that the best anyone's ever game planned for Derrick Henry in the last two years? I, I would say so. And I think the Bills, the one thing that has always not annoyed me about the Bills, but made me a little skeptical of them, they don't have a running game like at all. Devin Singletary mm-hmm. and Zach Moss are just not the answers for the Bills. And I, I'm, I know Josh Allen's a skillful runner himself, but I'm sorry, you need a running back that's going to give you production and take time off the clock. And I think the Ravens are going to control the clock because they run the ball. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, when he, for the most part, takes care of the football. I don't know what that throw was the, the other day. That was a meatball. I, I don't know what that was, but he made a lot of, he, when he had to make throws, he made throws. Yeah. And um, the weather conditions, well, I get it. The Bills are probably used to the weather, but so are the Ravens. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think the snow favors the Ravens more because they have the better rushing attack and they stop the run a lot easier. And I don't care how used to it you are when it is below freezing out there and the wind's blowing and the snow's falling that ball it's hard to throw the that vertical passing attack is not going to be the same as it would be indoors or when it's sunny and 60 degrees outside i'm sorry it's just the reality and what the science tells me so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the ravens who are experienced um as an organization and winning in the month of january i think the bills absolutely are there I think they had a great season. I think next year, you might they, they, this might be a little bit more of a learning experience for them, a springboard into next year and in the future for Josh Allen. And uh, I think they met their match. And they're also a little hot. I don't know why. Are you like that too whenever you, you pick it? I feel like the, the Bills are just so hot right now. They're, they're due. Yeah. Like, they're due. And they've had a great season. And I think it's Lamar Jackson's time. And I think the public uh, 
wants to see Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes in the next round. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Ravens, but by no means is it a slap in the face of the bills. I think the bills fans, the ones that I know were really mad that the Browns won last night because they wanted to see the Steelers in the next round a lot yeah. more than the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think the bills would, would have blown the Steelers out of the stadium in Orchard Park. I agree with so, you. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens in a close one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 27. I'm going to go 27, 21, a little bit higher scoring than most people think, but uh, I think it's going to be a close game. One possession. I have the Ravens winning this game 24, 21. I agree with what you said, Jake, about the Ravens. They know that the best form of potentially the best formula to win this game is keeping Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs off the field and there's no better team to do that than the Ravens who want to run the ball and they know that if all's going well they're gonna be running the ball they'll be running the ball effectively that's what happened within the last 10 or so minutes of the game on Sunday versus the Titans they knew that the game was basically all said and done and all they had to do was stay in bounds control the clock drain it out as much as they possibly could And that's exactly what they ended up doing. And, you know, fair play to Baltimore, to John Harbaugh. They put together a hell of a game plan to stop Tennessee and to really slow them down and make them uncomfortable. And I think now you have an easier offense to potentially decode with Buffalo than you did with Tennessee just because Buffalo, I think, is more of a one-trick pony than Tennessee are, where you know what Buffalo wants to do. You know Buffalo's going to want to drop back and throw the ball 50, 55 times. That's the way that they want it to be. Now, what I think also helps Buffalo a little bit is that Zach Moss is not going to play in this game. He is going to miss time. So that means Devin Singletary is going to be the guy by himself. Now, whether he can handle that or not is another thing entirely. But just to note, there's one guy that'll be the the one that can actually get something going on the ground and actually get into a rhythm instead of doing this in-out, in-out, in-out bullshit they were doing between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Um, you know, for, for me, that should help Buffalo in terms of trying to get something going on the ground. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the Ravens' defense. I trust the Ravens' defense a whole lot more than I trust Buffalo's, especially when it comes down to what the opposing offenses want to do. And the weather certainly won't help if it is going to be snowing uh, in Orchard Park on Saturday night. So I would say that the Ravens win 24-21 and insinuating that the under, of course, is going to hit at 50. And I would even go as far as to say if Lamar Jackson rushing yards is at around 75 to 80 in and around there, I know for the Titans game it was at 78 and a half if it's in that range I would probably take the over there yeah I I think if the Ravens are going to win Lamar Jackson's going to have over 100 yards rushing so yep I agree with you I agree with you wholeheartedly all right so we move on to Sunday Browns and the Chiefs uh Cleveland wow did they deserve that they Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly deserve that. Uh, fair play to uh, Cleveland for beating up on the Pittsburgh TikTok stars. 
And now they are going to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, we know the story with the Chiefs by now. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, possibly Clyde. Possibly Clyde Edwards-Alaire could be back for uh, for this matchup, which would give the, the Chiefs something different on the ground. But we all know, Jake, it's going to come down to can the Chiefs stop the run? Because that is what that's what Cleveland is going to want to do. Use a lot of Nick Chubb and use a lot of Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I think I really like Cleveland to cover. Um, it's more betting a number because if you look at it, Kansas City hasn't beat anybody by more than six since they played the Jets. Right. I don't know if you were aware of that. So I am. They they play close games because that defense does not do what you just alluded to, and that is stopping the run. But by no means am I saying the Cleveland Browns are going to win. I think Mahomes and company will get it done. It might be a little bit of a slow start for them. It might be, you know, let, let's go with the score of like, let's say it's going to be like 10 nothing Browns to start the game or something like that. Everyone's going to go, oh, my God, the Browns are going to win. Uh, uh, uh. And then Mahomes like, all right, get out of the way, guys. I, I'll take it from here. And I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. Um, I think... I have the Chiefs winning here. Let me look here. I have the Chiefs winning 32, and I actually I, I have it actually as a smaller cover. I think it's going to be 32-24 Chiefs. Very interesting. The number that I had in my head was 31-24 Chiefs, but the Browns do cover. And, Jake, I think, again, this is all about the Browns running the football. It wouldn't shock me one bit if Baker Mayfield does not throw the ball 25 times in this game, unless he absolutely 1000% has to. I think if they, if you're going to have any chance of winning, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you can't have Baker Mayfield throw the football over 30 times. I think I 25 you. is, you know, 25, it is what it is. But if Baker Mayfield is throwing the football over 30 times, you're guaranteed to lose this game. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. be a cold takes exposed here, but um, it's just, that's not a winning recipe to beat Patrick Mahomes is Baker Mayfield no. throwing the football 30 times. And, I got to give credit to Baker. He's, I don't, I don't want to say proved a lot of people wrong. Cause this is like what I expected him to be in the NFL. You know, he let's be honest here. It, are the Browns winning because of Baker Mayfield? No. Like, you know, they're I winning think, with him. They're not winning because of him. Exactly. Like he almost reminds me of a little bit better than what Mark Sanchez was for the jets when they went to the AFC title game. That's I, a fair comparison. That, actually. I think that's what it reminds me of a lot. I think Baker might be a little bit better, but you know, people want to make fun of Mark Sanchez, but um, he had some he had some playoff games, man, and that's yeah. that's kind of what reminds reminds me a little bit of Baker, just that young quarterback that has the running game, the defense, the head coach, ground and pound, and uh, I don't think I think that's all well and good, but uh, I've seen that firsthand. That does not beat uh, star quarterbacks in the big game in big games. It has worked from time to time for my team, but not when it really mattered. So. I think Patrick Mahomes is uh, going to end the Brown season and the Browns had a great season. Nothing to be ashamed of a lot, a lot like the bills. I think this is more of a springboard for the future for them. And yep. I just think the Ravens and chiefs are just there while those teams are still maybe a year away from true super bowl contention. The bills and the Browns are meeting their match. Yeah, pretty much that that's, that's a great way to sum it up. They're coming against two teams that are just are better than them quite frankly. Now, would it shock me if Buffalo wins the game? No. Wouldn't shock me one bit. Would it, would it shock, shock me if, if yeah. Cleveland were to win the game? Yes. 
That would surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a big time shock to a lot of people. I don't think it happens. I think Patrick Mahomes is just on this mission that he is just always going to be on. And I would even go as far as to say um, the one prop that I love, love, love for this game is Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. Oh, hey. Yeah. Anytime, anytime touchdown, the Browns are terrible against tight ends. And you're talking about now the best tight end in football. So depending on what the odds are, if you can get it maybe in the second quarter at plus money, because I doubt it would open at plus money. But if you can get it second quarter plus money, do it. Yeah, fair enough. Do it. Um, and then for the for the over under, I believe, yeah, we we both have the over for this. I like over. Yeah, we I, both, I do like over. We both like the over for uh, for this game. And then the last one on the slate, the Bucks and the Saints. The Saints open up as three point favorites. I don't know if I mentioned. Uh, what the Chiefs were opening up as against, ten, uh, against the ten, Browns. It's a yeah, ten, they're, it's, they're a 10-point favorite. Yep, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites against the uh, Browns. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but if in case I didn't, there it is. Uh, and then the Saints, of course, are three-point favorites against uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is pretty much what we've just been waiting for. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees in the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. Um the Bucks look good against Washington. Um, there are some issues, I think, defensively that came out of that Washington game that Tampa is going to have to work on a little bit, especially going up against Drew Brees. And now it seems like Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are finally clicking on all cylinders like they just couldn't do for this past year. Why? I have no idea. Um, but then now you have Alvin Kamara there, Latavius Murray getting into the end zone as well. I mean, this is this has all the makings of a an all time classic, really, in terms of a playoff game. I think this is going to be a blowout. Really, I think the Saints are going to blow them out again because, dude, this Bucks team is so flawed. I've said it all year. Um, they they don't have a running game. Number one, no, um, no. I think it's going to be a lot like the last time they played. It's in New Orleans, and I think I think the Saints are just a better team all around. I think the Saints play defense. The Bucks clearly have some defensive flaws. Devin White being out for the Bucks um, against the Washington football team, I think, definitely played a part. But when you there's just that one team that owns you, and the Saints own the Bucks. And I think mm-hmm. the Saints are going to blow them out again. I think the Saints are destined to go to the Super Bowl. If you want my honor, I don't want to jinx them or anything. I've thought that before, and it hasn't worked out, but. Um, I think the Saints are bound to go to the Super Bowl, and I think Drew Brees might be bound to go out on top and as a winner. And I, I think they're going to win this game, and I think the Bucs are flawed. They don't have a running game. I think it's very Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Godwin. They don't know who the guy is going to be. Then there's Gronk. You don't know. I don't think it's going to work, and I don't know how healthy Mike Evans is either um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a big deal. So I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with 27. I'm going to go 27, 14, 14. Wow. Yeah. 14, I have four, it. The Saints defense is, I, I tell you, the Saints defense, they, they own the Bucks, And I could be wrong because it's Tom Brady and I've bet against them before and I've been very wrong, but um, I'm all on the Saints. This is my favorite bet for the week. 
Very, very, very interesting. Um, I have the Saints winning the game, but I have it closer. I have it 33-27. Yeah, I, I think it's – I just think that the, the Saints own this team. There's just something about it. Every time they played this year, I've thought, oh, Bucks, Bucks, And then I watched the game. I'm like, the, it's two completely different teams out here. Yeah. Both times. And why Why do you ask that? And I think the Saints coaching staff is far superior to the Bucks coaching staff. I've never been crazy about Bruce Arians as a coach. Um, I think he's very meh. I think he's a, a, a tad overrated for my liking. Um, I've seen Todd Bowles' defense firsthand. I'm telling you, it's – He's not this defensive genius that the uh, the media per- perceives him to be. Um, they do love themselves but, some Todd Balls. Oh, t- give me a break! It's absolutely ridiculous. His defense was getting torched by Taylor Heineke, and he's get it, ridiculous. I, I'm like, oh, backup quarterback coming in here and gashing Todd Balls in a big game. I've seen that about five thousand times. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the Saints coaching staff is better. They're the better coach team. They have the better defense. They have the running game. What do we, what do we say? Running games and defense when you games in the month of January. I don't think the Bucks have much of either. Saints blow out and uh, on to the next round for the Saints. And we get Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. But Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game would definitely be a story to watch. But either way, I got Saints. Way. We're set. Yeah, we need we need the Packers to win. We don't want to see Jared Goff in the AFC Championship, uh, NFC Championship. Game. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, no. We need just we need the Packers to take care of business. And then whoever wins between the Bucks and the Saints will be happy. Yeah, that's all we ask. Very, very, very happy. So that is going to be it for part one of the Basement Talk podcast. Make sure you stick around for part two, where we are going to be bringing on Andrew and Connor to discuss the NHL preview. Jake, this is the last time we will be hearing from you. So good luck with your bets this weekend. Yeah, thank you. You as well, and my friend. Thank you, of course, for coming on. So we'll be back in just a sec. Welcome back to part two of the Basement Talk podcast, as promised, joined by Andrew and joined by Connor. Hi, guys. What's up? How we doing? I actually suffered a pretty crippling knee injury skiing about a month ago. Ooh. And I'm finally getting back to where I can walk again normally. Still not 100% there, but it's been a little bit of a rough month. Can't say that I'm uh, doing too hot at the moment, but I'm excited for hockey. I'm th- Now, what'd you do? I have to ask. We have to ask the question now. You can't just say you hurt your knee and then I explain what you did. So please yeah. share. So I, uh, I'm a bit of a park rat and I was trying to slide one of the new rails that Whiteface Parks just put in. Shout out Lake Placid in the North Country, uh, Northern New York. Um, and I uh, came off the rail early. My momentum was still tracking me downhill and uh, my knee clipped the end of the rail, which is a steel four by four. So I had Yikes. three stitches and my knee swelled up to the size of a grapefruit and I couldn't walk for about two weeks. So it was pretty rough. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's... we're almost back though. So it's it's, it's, it's a, exciting times. That's really rough. 
Holy shit. Well, the good news is you're the best form of medication coming in hockey. But before we get into the hockey, we are all drinking some beverage for this podcast. And I feel like for, by the way, in case people didn't realize, I'll break the fourth wall here. The part with Jake was recorded at one point. Now the part with Andrew and Connor is recorded at a different point. So, gentlemen, let's all just give the lovely listeners an idea of what we're drinking. I'm drinking rum out of a tumbler, which is really the radio professional in me, I have to say, given that it is 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. And why not? It's after 5, so fuck it. I thought someone was just going to say what they were drinking. I just uh, I just spewed my guts out, so uh, I thought I was going to take a back seat, but since I'm already going, I'm drinking a little uh, Torpedo Extra IPA by Sierra Nevada, though no free ads, never forget. No free but ads, it's, absolutely uh, it's good beer, and uh, I like it, so that's why I'm drinking it. Connor, what are we drinking? I, like you, am drinking out of a Yeti. Ooh. I, mean, I think it's the same one that you have, just in red instead of blue. It is. It's the same exact one. However, I took the non-alcoholic approach and I have water inside of mine because I was not told to have an alcoholic beverage. However, I probably should have known that from being on the podcast, what, three times now? This is number four? This is number four. This is number four for me. I'm like a seasoned yeah. vet at this point. Yeah, you are. I think if, we, if there was a tracker of who, who's been a special guest on the podcast the most, I think both of you are tied for four because you were on the Quizvitational twice. I think we we've did. been on together every time. I think so. I might start holding out for a contract. You you might have to. <laughs> you might have to. I'll, I'll have to talk to my representatives. We'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, I I dug into the stats and the episodes I'm on, your your views just spike. So I think we need to think about bringing me on. <laughs> people love you. The people love you. Yes. They, we, we, we've already established people don't like me and they love everybody else I do podcasts with. They don't like me though. So the reason why we are all here is to talk some hockey. Both of you guys on the Quizvitational both said whenever we talk hockey, you guys wanted to be on. So here's like, this is this is like the creme de la creme of hockey podcasts. This is just when we go through absolutely everything, cover all the bases. We're going to give some, we have some fill in the blanks we're going to go through. Then we're going to give our playoff predictions, eight teams that make it out of the East, eight teams make it out of the West. And then we are going to give our finals prediction. And then at the end of it, who wins the entire thing. So, gentlemen, let's crack right on into it because we have we have eight bullet points that we have to get to. So, let's do it. So, the first one that I have, I'll open the floor up to Andrew for this one. We're going to go with blank is your breakout player. Who is it going to be? And if you steal mine, I may punch you through the camera. Go ahead. Oh, you should have taken it first because I we haven't talked about this also. Like we we did not share picks beforehand. No, we did knowing, not. Knowing Ed and knowing myself and knowing where our allegiances lie, my breakout player is Adam Fox. Of God the New York damn Rangers. it. And I knew it was coming. Fuck. <laughs> He's just got it all going for him. He had a quietly one of the best rookie years that all skaters have, not even just defensemen. Um, he's going to have another year. He was great in the bubble. And now all of a sudden, you know, Keandre Miller impressing in camp, Adam Fox can, can slide over and 
play on the other side with uh, Tony D'Angelo, who no longer needs to play top line minutes. And I think the Rangers have themselves a young stud, future Norris candidate. We'll see if it's this year, but I would take a future on that right now. The odds are definitely pretty good. Yeah, and Adam Fox is a fantastic pick. I mean, he he was the one that I had down. I actually wrote down somebody else who I'm going to say just because I knew if I opened this up to Andrew first, he was going to take Adam Fox. But, yeah, I mean, he would have won the call there last year if it wasn't for Kale McCarr. He, he really was that good. Absolutely. And I think this he has breakout written all over him for the upcoming season, so I like the Adam Fox pick a lot. And, of course, it's the New York Rangers, the best team in the world, so – uh, I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, Connor, your breakout player, please. So for my breakout player, I actually pick a draft pick from this year. Mm, okay. I think in the position that he's in and the people that he's going to be playing with, I think it sets him up tremendously for this season, especially since he doesn't have to deal with a lot of the things that, you know, players would usually have to deal with, with, you know, fans being in attendance and things like that. I think it, it might make it a little bit easier to play, you know, in this quote unquote bubble, since we're not, you know, necessarily in a bubble anymore, but, you know, with all the, the restrictions put in place, I, um, honestly, I, I, I think Ed should say his name. Because I, I think he knows exactly who I'm talking about. Is it Alexi Lafreniere? That's exactly who I chose. Really? I'm the only one who's not going to pick a Ranger? That's Damn. a shock from the Capitals fan. Wow. I just, I, I just want to say that Adam Fox was snagged one pick before me in my fantasy draft the other night, and I was devastated. <laughs> I was devastated. Now, this is why you're supposed to reach and make sure that you get Adam Fox. Dude, I know. One pick, bro. There's one pick. Alexi, breakout player in year one. Interesting. I I think his rookie season is going to be great. And I think that that'll put him in a place where, you know, the next few seasons, like, you know, he goes in, he grows a lot this season, becomes an even better player. And then, you know, it kind of sets him up for the rest of his career. Because, I mean, look at, like, look at Austin Matthews. His first game in Toronto puts up four goals, and then, you know, look where he is now. Like, he's been phenomenal since the start. I don't think oh, you can necessarily can, say if, that. If Alexi Lafreniere can take that path through the NHL, I would have a heart attack. And I think, I mean, honestly, you know, this is coming from a Capitals fan. I think that the Rangers are, you know, I think they, they said it in the draft when Alexi got drafted – and they said that this is, you know, the, the end of that rebuilding phase. And, you know, it's from now until, you know, whenever, it's just going to be upward for, for the Rangers. And I'm excited to see that because I loved, I always loved watching the Rangers play, you know, even, you know, despite being from the, you know, Philadelphia area and being a Capitals fan, I think that like the Rangers were just always exciting to play. Like so, we just watch them play. You know, when I was going to Flyers games, and I would see the Rangers play, or just watching them on TV, it was it was always fun. And I have so many friends that are from New York, so it's kind of like being a New York fan in the sense because you know that's all I hear about when I talk with you know I talk with you guys. 
And I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm just really excited to see him play. And I really have really high expectations for him. What would be, I, I'll open this up to, to both of you. What would be a realistic point expectancy from someone like Alexi in year one? And how many how many games are we playing this season? Is it what like 112 or something like that? 56. 56. It's 56. Oh damn, I was way really off. 56, 56 games. 56 games. 56 games. Oh. 56 games. I would say, for me, the realistic point expectation that I would have for Alexi, if he can get in like the 30 point range, I think I would be pretty happy. In, in your yeah. one. I don't I know. Mean, the pessimist in me is going to take the under on, on 30. I say somewhere in like the low to mid 20s is probably where he'll fall, given how we just saw Capo Caco come in and kind of struggle. Sure. Yeah, the Rangers are a deeper team, but like there's still a chance, you know, in a short schedule, he hits a slump. You know, he is a little slow to adjust to the pace of play and the size and speed and physicality of the NHL. I think that, you know, a slump from Lafreniere at first is not out of the picture. No, I don't, I don't think it is at all. I think he'll have to adjust and, you know, and th- this may be a little tease towards uh, the end of the show in terms of playoff predictions, but this is sort of a wing year for the Rangers. And it's just seeing, you know, if they can get to the playoffs, great. If they don't, it's not something that I think will be the end of the world. Um, my breakout player and he's not on the Rangers. So I think, I'm doing everyone a favor by going outside of New York in picking a breakout player. And this is one that I think is outside the box, but he's in a place where he can really produce. Think of, think of, and I'm going to incite some anger from the Rangers fans here, but think Vlad Nemesnikov when he was playing central with Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov with the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, And that's Zach Hyman of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, He's going to be playing on the wing next to Austin Matthews and opposite of Mitch Marner, two of the great young players in the NHL. Austin Matthews already fully established. Mitch Marner somehow underappreciated still. I don't really know how. Um, But for me, Zach Hyman, I think he's in a great great place to produce. And you're telling me he's going to play first-line minutes next to two of the great young studs in this league? Yeah, that's a guy that has breakout written all over him. Any objections? No, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Like, I think, you know, having those guys and, you know, them being, you know, in their early twenties, close to, you know, mid twenties, being able to, you know, support him playing first line minutes. I I mean, there's, I I completely agree with you. I think that it has breakout written all over it. You're rolling the Leafs dice though. Anything is possible. Rolling the dice with the Leafs. Any, anything is possible when you do that. Yes, I would completely agree. And the two others that I wanted to mention, first, uh, defenseman uh, Mikhail Sergachev for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, what, winning a cup doesn't count as a breakout? No, it does not count as a breakout. And then, Connor, you will appreciate this one, Ilya Samsonov of the Washington Capitals. Okay. And thanks for saying that because I wanted to go at Connor's neck a little bit by being like what you pick the ranger and you, you guys just let Holtby walk for this goalie who you say is so hype like I, I thought the Caps fan and you would be a little stronger there no I mean Holtby was one of my you know one of my favorite players I I love him it was very disappointing to see him go but you know having you know the young goaltenders that we have in the system and 
when I woke up the one morning and saw that, you know, to, not to piss you guys off, but when Henrik Lundqvist got traded into the Caps, I, I was excited because, you know, obviously Henrik's a little bit older. He, you know, isn't going to be playing, you know, every game. He's not going to be playing, you know, the, the games that he used to be playing in his prime. But having the young goalies and having him come in to be able to kind of mentor them, I thought it was perfect because I, I wasn't expecting Lundqvist to play the amount of games that he did like that, that the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, these young goalies are going to have a chance to learn from one of the best goaltenders, right. you know, in the league or arguably in, in history. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then even obviously and even the health then, situation. So yeah, I was about to say that even then, even if he's out, I still think, you know, he's going to still be around the building where, you know, he'll be able to yeah. young, young goaltenders and be like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's going to be a little bit harder because of, you know, having open heart surgery. Obviously, he's not going to be around like, you know, we would think he – yeah. But, I mean, hopefully towards, you know, the, you know, middle or end of the season when he starts to, you know, get a little bit better, he can come in and kind of help them out, especially if, you know, the the Capitals, which I expect them to, you know, obviously make playoffs. I think during that time – having someone as experienced as him might help out the younger goalies, um, you know, come playoff time. Let's go on to the next one. Shall we? I'm going to take this one just because I am very eager to get the reaction to this because blank is going to join the elite group of players in the national hockey league. And this is someone that I think is so underappreciated and so undervalued and flies under the radar and is not talked about in that group of McDavid and McKinnon and Pasternak and Kucherov and Ovechkin, Crosby. And that's Jack Eichel. I don't think anybody talks about Jack Eichel being in that elite group of players. He recorded 77 points last year in 67 games in really what was the, the pause year um, he was terrific last season on a very, very, very bad Buffalo team. They're going to be very bad again. And I'm, t- I mean, this is like, again, this is the wet dream that maybe I referenced on the fantasy show the other day, Jack Eichel becomes a New York Ranger. My heart will just explode because well, he is just one of, he's one of my favorite players. I love Jack Eichel with it's too bad. Everything. We're going to sell our souls for Pierre Luc Dubois. Stop first. it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't even tell me that I'll throw up. I will throw up. It wouldn't be a sexy trade, but it would make the team better. Jack Eichel would make the team better, but he would cost an arm, a leg and the other leg. Maybe an eye or two. Fair. Fair. Unless he makes it very clear that he wants to come to Broadway, then maybe the price will be, could be reduced a little bit. Maybe Buffalo wants to do a solid, but he's got no reason to, ruin his leverage like that he's gonna do whatever he can but he's he's the buffalo guy taylor hall's the guy that's gonna walk out of that team at the deadline yeah and he's on a one-year deal so he can he can do it eichel's still on a contract there for what the next 12 million years yeah, yeah. and he's already the face <laughs> of the franchise and the captain yeah yeah but i mean that's a wet dream that's a topic for another day but i think jack eichel joins the elite of the nhl this year and people will start calling him Truly one of the best players in the National Hockey League. Uh, Connor, your elite, please, sir. So, first, I just want to say that I really like that 
that choice of Jack Eichel. Thank you. Because he honestly, when him and McDavid came in, I actually liked him as a player a lot more than McDavid. Just because he seemed like the guy that was, you know, would get down and dirty on the ice. Like he wasn't a, like a flashy player by any means. And like, I just, I don't know. I think I see him and McDavid as different players. And I think it's a little unfair to, you know, put them up against each other. They just happen to be drafted, you know, the same year and, and pretty close together. So I think that automatically kind of just gave that, that comparison, but I, I, yeah, I think he's stuck in a really tough situation where he can't reach his full potential. I mean, and still, you know, putting up that many points on a team like that is incredible. Like that, it's almost unheard of. I've never seen a player like that do something on a team that's that bad. Yeah. And they're terrible. Um, unfortunately, my pick, I, I didn't really get the wording as well. Um, and so I picked a player that was joining a, you know, into a team of elite players. And I thought of it as more of like a, like a development type of thing. Like, you know, players that are going to be settled around elite players. And the person that I picked was uh, Nicholas Robertson. Very outside the box. Yes. So this kid is five foot nine. I think 160, 170 pounds. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So very small. However, if you watch videos of him from the OHL, he has incredible presence in front of the net. He knows where to put his stick. He had incredible tipping goals. He, he knew how to draw penalties. He was great on the four check. He just, he has great awareness on the ice. He knew where to be, when to be there. And he made teams make mistakes. I think he would just, I think he's incredible. And I think he went like 56 overall. Yeah, it sounds about right. Somewhere, somewhere in the 50s. So he obviously wasn't like a top draft pick. However, he's joining Toronto, who we just talked about. And having players like Joe Thornton, uh, Jason Spezza, and there was another, there was another older Older guy, I, I can't think of his name right now. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's three guys that have been in the league that know how everything works. And then you have, you know, Austin Matthews and all these, all these young guys that came into the league and did absolutely phenomenal. You know, we talked about Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner before and how they, you know, are considered elite players in, in their 20s, in their early 20s. And I think that him joining between the mix of the vets and these young guys that have had incredible success in the league. I think that the team that he is joining into will set him up for great success. As long as he, you know, can fit into this, this physical presence of, of the league and just being able to adapt to situations like that, you know, being only five, nine, 160, 170 pounds. And obviously once he, you know, starts working with the team, and I think once we see him in the season, he might be a little bit heavier. Um, but I think that he's going to be a player to look out for. And you know who the player is. I, ju- I just looked it up and you know who the player is that you were thinking of. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head, to be honest with you, but you know who it is. 
Wayne Simmons. I feel that. Yeah, Wayne Simmons. That's exactly. So, and Wayne he's Simmons. he's one of those guys that you know he's not. I, we don't consider him a quote unquote skill player in my right. mind. He's the one that's you know getting in front of the net, getting the you know the dirty tips, screening the goalie. Like he's, I think, you know, as a winger, I think it'll be perfect for him to kind of learn a play style like that, just because I think that he can be that guy. I think he's a, he might be a little bit more skilled uh, than Wayne Simmons in my mind. I think he's more skilled than Wayne Simmons, but I think learning a play style like that, where you know he's getting in front of the net and has a presence like that, being able to you know, get your stick on the puck in front of the net and, you know, get tips off and, you know, dig. I think he can be successful in a role like that. It's a very outside the box pick, Connor, but I like it a lot. Andrew, your breakout, uh, your player that joins the elite, please. So this guy is electric, you know, second rounder. He's a Finn. You know that they're a hockey machine on the low. Um, I've seen him play live a lot of times for how many NHL games I've been to. I think he's participated in about 40% of the NHL games that I've been to. Um, he plays for the Carolina Hurricanes, and that's Sebastian Ajo. I think this Ooh. guy is about to join the absolute elite of forwards. He already has averaged a point a game in a full season playing 82 games. He finished fourth for the – uh, for the Calder and has been quietly having some decent finishes in, uh, in awards, just 10th place in the heart, 12th place for the Selkie, just two years removed. He had a bit of a down year last year, um, but obviously the Hurricanes ascended in those last two years. So he, really you look at it and he's improved his game to uh, be more of a two-dimensional guy. And once he can find that scoring touch again, I think you're going to mention Aho up there with the Bergerons and the Zabanajads and all the on the Taves and all the elite centers that that play this game right now. I like that one a lot. And even though he did score 36 last year, it was still a down year by by his standards. And that that's a great pick because Aho was really really good, really Definitely. good. Yeah, he uh, and the Hurricanes as a team are still going to be ascending. So. We have yet to see what kind of heights that he can achieve with them. For sure. And then some other picks that I had off the top of my head. Uh, Alexander Barkov, the center for the Florida Panthers, came to mind. And I know it might be early for him, but I just think he is that good. Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. I think that he I is... consider him elite already in my mind, though. I mean, if you're yeah, I mean, a defenseman right now. Some, like... peop- some people don't. Some people don't. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's at this point he's kind of young, but I do agree. Like, I consider him, you know, one of the, one of the elites because when he first came in, I think his first game was in the playoffs. Yeah, it was. He he left Harvard and came in for the playoffs, and mm-hmm. he was terrific. I mean, like seeing him on, you know, NHL, like when you you know you go watch the highlights from all the games and everything like that. I remember, I think that was like one of the first times that I saw him uh, playing, and he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, do people – some people do, some people don't. But I think the elite level of defensemen that we're talking that uh, Kale McCarr, you know, stepping up to that level and being a part of, we're talking guys like Alex Petrangelo, talking guys like Roman Yossi, talking guys like Seth Jones, that kind of level of defenseman where McCarr only played one year. This is going to be his second full season. 
he's ready to make that jump because I, I think he can be by the end of this year. If we're talking again in June, July, we could be talking about Kale McCarr being the best puck moving offensive defenseman in the national hockey league. And it won't really be close. I think that that is definitely within the realm of possibility. So, however, I think not to cut you off here, no, but if we're going to talk about offensive defensemen, I think we need to talk about my guy. And I Your think guy? you know what I'm talking about. This Are man, you- this man, let me tell you, he joins the reins, Tyler Sagan, in the summertime. And these two are absolute beauties. Michael Delzato. This is a record scratch, if I've ever heard one. Fuck Michael Delzato. That. Oh, I was waiting for it. That man. I don't think I've ever seen someone more unworthy to wear the Rangers jersey in my life. Other than Michael Delzato. Fuck Michael Delzato. Fuck him. (laughs) Swiftly moving on. And Connor, we are coming right back to you. Blank. Blank is your sleeper team, Connor. Not to go back to it. But I'm going to have to go with the Rangers. Because I think I, you, I know I knew you guys would like this. I knew you guys would like it, but I really I, I think in my mind they've been in the past few years bad. And I, they they yes, if you want to call it rebuilding as a Rangers fan, that is fine. So that's what that's it was. Our floor, then but I'll they were bad. It. They were I, bad. I'd rather be like middle of the pack, like just. Aging yes. bad contracts bad than like I don't know devil's bad. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're not devil's I'll, bad. I'll give you're you that. You're made, not devil's bad because that's a, that's really bad. Last year we were the hottest team in the NHL and climbing for that last playoff spot. We yep. didn't show a great performance in the bubble, but I thought that last year definitely didn't lead us to a to be into a valley. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a tough situation, but the reason why that I, I picked the Rangers as my sleeper is, you know, the sleeper team is just because they've been in this rebuilding phase. They haven't been this, like, fantastic team, but I, like, I just have a feeling that for some reason they're going to surprise me this season and they're going to be, you know, a little bit better than average. And we'll have to see if you have them making the playoffs later on. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Uh, Andrew, your sleeper team, please. All right, so my sleeper team is going to be Les Habitants de Montreal. They play a very gritty style of hockey, the perfect style of hockey when every game for the whole season is against your rivals. They are backstopped by an inside lane guy in Carey Price for the Vezina. Best goalkeeper in the league. Best, which that on its own makes the the Habs a, an interesting team to face. And let alone that they have a lot of up and coming talent, Nick Suzuki, uh, Koskinen-Yemi. They're they're all kind of meshing behind Brendan Gallagher and what he kind of did for them in the bubble last year. And I think that they'll uh, they'll really take a step forward this year and 
kind of kind of play it like a, a grungy gritty style of hockey that's really going to mess with all the the pretty you know dangle oriented offenses that they're going to play in the in the Canadian division I like the pick of the Canadians I do I, I like that pick a lot and uh, they are definitely a team that could definitely make some noise this year I, li- I like the pick a lot and anything that has Carey Price on it I'm going to be a fan of because 1.962 career best goals against average. You know, he's a he, monster. he is just one of those guys that I, again, he just, he gets no respect. He gets no respect. That's what it's happens cr- when your team misses the playoffs. It's like kind of it's like a, a watered down situation with the Rangers and their peak, just like a great goalkeeper with yeah. not a lot in front of him in terms of offense. Yeah. But that's on the change because the Canadians are blowing up this year. Andrew, you kind of hinted at my sleeper team when you said Sebastian Ajo. It's the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> for me. Um, for me, they have probably the best young player in the National Hockey League and Andrei Svechnikov. Yeah, you throw in Sebastian Ajo in there, and then you add some veteran talents, Jordan Stahl, Justin Williams, the back end, Brady Shea, Dougie Hamilton – this is a team that is ready to compete for a cup this year. And I think that this is a team that not only is going to make the playoffs, but I think they are going to make a run out of Stanley cup this year. So for me, Carolina is my, uh, my sleeper. I I wholly agree with you. Do you know who's still playing for them? (laughs) Is it? Well, I know Jesper Faust is there. He's still listed on the active roster on hockeyreference.com. Who is this on the hurricanes? None other than Mr. Justin Williams. Oh, oh yeah, he is. my lord. That's he a big yikes. Is still driving that bus. Oh my lord. Get well, you, get Justin Williams a cup. I'm honestly surprised that Carolina was your pick. Why? You think I, I was gonna say like, the Rangers? No, I just I I don't know. I didn't expect you to say Carolina just because I think Carolina has actually been pretty decent in the last couple of years. Not in Madison Square Garden. Not in Madison Square Garden. Yes, very true. Well, but this is also a team that we haven't – like they've gotten into the playoffs. They've backdoored themselves into the playoffs, but then have gotten there and they haven't made some noise. And the sleeper connotation to it is I think they make noise. I think they learned a okay. lot playing the Bruins last year. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, to, to me, it was just – it was kind of surprising just because I, you know – obviously making the playoff run that they did a couple of years ago and then, you know, still having somewhat of success in the past couple of years. I just, I don't know. I didn't really see them as a sleeper team. I, I think of them as a, you know, a pretty average or just, you know, above average team. And I'm like, saying the sleeper could be them yeah, becoming no. a very good slash great team. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand what you're saying to me. It, I don't know. It just was, it was surprising. That that's what that was your choice. Well, I don't think many people, I guess where the sleeper part of it comes in is do people really think of them being at the level of the Capitals or the Bruins or the or the Blues or the Avalanche or the Lightning? No, people don't really put no, them yeah, you're right. in that bracket. But I think out of all the teams that are beneath that, they're the team that's ready to join that class of, of team this season i think they're ready to make a run for uh, for a cup this year okay so let me let me ask you a question just Shoot. to stay just to stay on the top of carolina for yeah one more minute so with the realignment of the divisions 
Mm-hmm. They've moved out of the Metro. Right. So that I think they're playing in what's considered central. Yeah. They're in the central with right? Detroit, Detroit, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Florida, Columbus, Chicago, Nashville. Yes. Wow. I'm, I'm good. So, I'm good that I memorized that. That's that, that's shocking. Pat, pat myself on the back for that one. Given that they were moved into the central division, mm-hmm. did that influence your decision or did you just pick them based off of something like something else? Like would it have made a difference if they were still playing in the Metro or is it different now because they're playing in central? Very good question. That's a very good question. Um, I haven't thought of it to that extent, believe it or not. But okay. I would say that moving away from the Metro and getting out of that gauntlet of teams yes. helps them. Helps them That's, a lot. In my mind, I think, you know, the Metro, or at least up until maybe a couple of years ago, was always the best division in hockey. Yep. You know, Boston – Philadelphia, uh, New York, like this plethora of teams that are just every year so good or were every year just so good. I, to me, that was the toughest division in hockey. Like, especially comparing it to anybody out West, anybody out West was usually considered not that good. And I like, that's just the history of the NHL because, you know, the original teams were based in the East. When you think of hockey, you think of the East coast, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, when I, yeah, when I, I think of hockey, I don't think of California. No, I no. think so, so, California people don't care about hockey until they get to the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, I, my uncle and my whole LA family are all like real OG diehard Kings fans. So, uh, it was tough, and I every time I think about hockey, I almost think of the Stanley Cup loss every time. But I just say, choose not. I choose not to think about it. it breaks my heart say, too much. But say you take Washington, who's the closest team in the East Division right now, mm-hmm. you switch them with Carolina. Yep. Do you think Carolina makes the playoffs? Yes. In the yes. Eastern Division. Mm-hmm. I think That's they're better. I think they're better than Philadelphia. I think they're better than the Islanders. I think they're better than the Rangers. And that would be enough to get them in. For sure. Yeah, that would be enough to get them in. I think they're more of a lock in. You think a lot of yeah, I agree. The, the NHL, so like the NHL does their playoff predictions mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And a couple of them had the Islanders in four. They had them in the, in the fourth, that fourth playoff spot. What do you think about that? Well, we're going to have to wait and see when we get there. Well, that's true. But do you think that if they moved into the Metro, if they were back in the Metro and watched and moved, like we were just saying. That Carolina would get in? Carolina would be the three. Yeah. They would. you think they'd be three? They'd be the three. They'd be behind Pittsburgh and they'd be behind Boston. Okay, that's fair. I think, like All I right. said, I, th- I think they're better than Philadelphia. I think they're better than the Islanders. I think they're better than the Rangers. Okay. That's just that's just me with very level yeah, I mean, hat on. I personally think that Philly is, you know, they have a chance. No, I think I think Philly's a good team. I think Philly's a really good team. But as 
Rangers fans, Andrew and I would know that any AV team kings of the regular season, then they get to the playoffs and everything yeah. just crumbles apart. I think you're, you're I think you're going to be shocked once we get to the end of this with what I'm going to have to say. Oh, I, I cannot wait for it. <laughs> so we go from some positivity. Now we're going to some negativity. Blank is bound to disappoint. What team is bound to disappoint? Andrew, go ahead. Lay it on us. All right. So a little bit of regression is in store for a team that plays in the Eastern Division, who is rapidly aging, has a ton of loaded contracts, a questionable goalie situation, also known as the Washington Capitals. It will be by the sheer will of Alex Ovechkin that this team makes the playoffs. It is aging. It has been aging. And they just added an aging defenseman from Boston to further slow them down in an increasingly young and fast-paced game, as we would say. I almost said meta for you video game people out there, but then I remembered this is a hockey podcast. Meta fits. (laughs) Nerf the DMR. (laughs) Yeah. Nerf the DMR. So I think Washington in a cutthroat division where you're playing your rivals every week, people get up for Washington and they want to beat Ovi. They want to beat the great one. I hate every time that I load up Chell that I have to look at Ovi about to take a slap shot through my face every time. So, you know, I'm getting up for – for the Washington matchups. And I think that they will overall take a step back and miss the playoffs. I agree with you coming from a capital fan. I think we are on decline after having Yeah, I know. I know. Cause trust me, a lot of players are getting older. We, we get rid of Holpe and for some, you know, God only knows why decision we, we pick up, a 900-year-old defenseman from Boston. I, I, if you guys can explain that trade to me or that, that pickup, I, I would love to hear it. But it's a veteran I, move. It's just a veteran yeah. move. He wants a good I mean, chance at a cup, and Ovi is that. Yeah, I, I, but I, I do agree with you in the sense that they are on a decline. But, like, you know, after winning a Stanley Cup, it's kind of like um, – unless you're the, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins and you can somehow, you know – pick up two cups in two years it like you know what else what else do you expect well, those penguins teams were young and deep and had hot yeah, and that too yes this is this team is cooling and shrinking like a like a star that is dying it's it's losing its wow. energy <laughs> That's, wow i'm the uh, only if, sensible minded only... person here listen you i don't think, think the capitals will be good this year I, I don't Capitals think they're going to be the horrible. Yes, I think they're making the playoffs, but I think yes. they are on a. I think they are on a decline. There, yes, they. There is some regression given, coming. Sure. If you think, if you think that some of the teams in this Eastern Division or the, the Metro Division are going to beat the Capitals, it's like, but like you're telling me that Buffalo is going to beat Washington? Absolutely not. No. Ovechkin oh. himself well, the, would the beat thing, the well, Buffalo the thing, Sabres. But True. you play them six times a year, they're going to be figuring you out. It's it's going to be a lot harder. I think this year yeah. it's going to be a lot of 500 records, and there's going to not be too many people who break away from the pack. 
I think this year is going to be a little, you can't think of it as a normal year where you play your rivals six times in six months. This, this is a condensed season versus the teams that hate your guts the most. And I think an aging roster is not going to fit that mold this year. Yeah. I mean, however, with, you know, the, the players that the Capitals have and how well they've been performing, you know, like Ovechkin right now, give me the difference between him right now and him and his quote unquote prime. There's no difference. There's no difference. And like, I I understand like goaltending may be an issue this year. I know, you know, Ed talked about, you know, Samsonov and the year that he could have, but I, I think just in general, I think they're a solid enough team where they wouldn't, they wouldn't let it happen anytime soon. But I think in the next, you know, five years, we might see that the same thing with the Rangers, you know, the, the rebuild phase. Well, the Rangers are built for the next 10 years right now. Well, that's what, but in the past, they went into that, that rebuild phase. and Right, and that's what like, you do. You go all in for a cup, and then sometimes you have to pay the price without reaping the reward. Yeah, and I think that at this point, they've just had, they had so many years consecutively where they could have had a lot of success, but they just weren't figuring it out. You know, all of these times where, you know, first, you know, first place in the league and, you know, they're going to win the Stanley Cup first round out. All right. So two situations, in a row. right? Two situations with the Rangers making the cup final once in about five, four to five years of sustained deep playoff runs. What's the difference between that storybook that is complete and the storybook that is the Washington Capitol story? that the only difference between those stories, in my opinion, is that the Capitals actually went all the way. Yes. No. Yeah, I mean... Now, now your, your book isn't complete yet, and you're in starting that decline phase where, you know, you're, you still have your core, but it's now three to four years older than when you reached the top. And now you have a lot of bloated contracts and not a lot of depth coming out of the AHL. So you, you see some regression year by year. So we'll see if this shortened season actually ends up playing in with the age factor enough or if Washington superstars can prove that they're still on top of their game. Connor, who's, uh, who's bound to disappoint? Um, I mean, I feel like it's pretty easy, but I, I'm going to say Buffalo. That's a, that's a very it's top a, out answer. I, I, yeah, I know it is, but like, Every year, I just in in my heart, I want Eichel to do something. I want the Sabres to do something, but I just know that they're not. And like we've talked about Fair. this like a million times in this podcast, but like I, I just want Eichel to get something. Like I, I want him to at least be able to be like, oh well, you know, I got into the playoffs this year. Like, like I don't know. There's just something about me that wants Eichel to succeed so bad, but I, this Buffalo team is just so horrible that it's just. Yeah. They're you. You just know that they're going to disappoint, and I can't even imagine what it would like being a Sabres fan, just because every year it's just like, well, here we go. They like have the Bills. It's going to happen again. They have the Bills. Thank God. They, yeah, they have they the Bills. Have the That's bills. the best thing that they could possibly have if you are living in Buffalo. Um. All right, mine is a bit more controversial. Um. As some people are going to find this one a little bit hard to believe, given that this team just, just went to the Stanley Cup final. 
the Dallas Stars. I feel like they are bound to regress, especially with Tyler Sagan on the shelf until reports are around April. So you take arguably the best player off of that team, and that spells doom for me for the Dallas Stars. And I'll give a little spoiler alert right now. I do not have the Dallas Stars making the playoffs. Wow. In a central division? In the yeah, central division, tough. I do not have the That is the a, quite a bold call. Yep. I'm all for bold here. I'm sure the odds are good. Maybe you should check those out. I'm sure the odds are great. I think I'm going to throw a few. I might throw a future on that. Yeah. Dallas Stars did not make the playoffs coming out of the central. So that is the one that I'm going for bound to disappoint. Um, all right. So now we are going on to the individual awards. We have two on the docket. So uh, we'll go with Connor for the first one. Uh, Connor, blank is winning the Vezina for league's best goalkeeper. You guys are not going to like this at all. I'm just um, going to tell you that right now. You're not going to like it at all. Okay. However, it foreshadows what we're going to talk about later. I think that Carter Hart could be a potential winner. Andrew, you want to have a go? You want me to do it? I don't know who Carter Hart is. I only know who Kata Hart is. (laughs) I think Kata Hart could win the Vezina. Who's Carter Hart? (laughs) Okay, I'm having having a go with this. Okay, Okay, number one. Catahat, his home road splits are drastic. He is, he's Marty Broder when he's in Wells Fargo, and then he's year five Rick DiPietro when he's not in Wells Fargo. For me, for me, if he if he could be consistent enough when he's not in Wells Fargo, he could definitely win the Vesna because he's good enough. He is definitely That's- good enough. And hey, that's that's what I'm hoping for. Yep, that's really what I I he I think he's a great goaltender. Like you said, he is inconsistent. Once he finds that consistency, I think he can be a you know a great goalie. Yep, and it's exactly what the Flyers need. The thing that they've been lacking in the past couple of years. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to finish this real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I think held the Flyers back for so long was their front office. And I've talked about this for years now. Their front office was absolutely horrible. They made horrible decisions. I didn't think their development was that great. They would buy, or they, sorry, not buy. That, I don't think that doesn't sound right. They would, you know, get contracts for old, these older players. They'd come in, they'd play a year and then leave. And I felt like we just weren't doing anything. We were just, we're doing the same thing and getting the same results. It's, that's literally the definition of insanity. And that's how it felt to, I'm sure to be a Flyers fan, you know, cause I lived in the city and, you know, saw it all the time. It's like banging your head against a wall. And I think now that they found a goalie who could potentially be, you know, I think one of the best goalies in the league. And I think with the core that we have and the way that they've been playing, I mean, Drew, is one of the best forwards in the league. If if Still. you want to argue that, Still. I, yep, I, I would love to hear your argument, but he is easily one of the best forwards in the league. 
no argument here. And I just I think their team is set is set up or you know being set up to to rise. I think to to a Stanley Cup, and it's something that you know you know Philadelphia fans have been waiting for, and I think that it's going to happen very soon. And I I honestly think that this could be a, the year that it could happen. It sucks that Kevin Hayes and the New York Rangers couldn't work it out. Hey, Fuck, Flyers Hayes. are okay with it. You know, he actually has his own beer at Yards. Yes, he does. Yes. And I've, and I've heard it's quite it's quite good. It, it is. He actually, I have a friend that, that works at Yards and says that he comes in all the time. Really? So, yeah, he said he's a great guy. He's always very, very polite and... I've heard he's. I've heard he's. Uh, he's very, very nice. But yeah. Sorry, when you say what you said about the Rangers, you are uh, you're off the nice list for me. Um, I'll make this quick. Common sense is gonna just uh, prevail here. Uh, Sergey Vasilevsky's winning the Vesna. Oh, so we're one and one, dead even on stolen picks right here. I love Vasilevsky too, dude. He's got <laughs> not only some of the best intangibles for a goalie, like that feel for where the puck is when when you're fighting through screens and whatnot, can't see where the shot and the puck is coming from. He's, he's big enough that he doesn't really have to do a lot. He's quick enough that he can get to all four corners. And he's also got the best team in hockey in front of him, mm-hmm. which is definitely a factor. So Vasilevsky has got to be the, the favorite, but Hey, don't count out guys like Tuka Rask who had 10 years between his Vezina wins or, you know, the occasional, uh, you know, the best goalies in the league, uh, Igor Shesterkin. Just kidding. I don't think he'll be at best in the trophy level right now, but <laughs> I'm know, all for it. If he wants to be, I'm be all great. for it. Realistically, probably not this year. Um, you know, Carrie Price has got to be in the conversation. Carter Hart, uh, Matt Murray, even Dark, Big Dark Horse, or Devin Dubinick has been there before. So, Here's another, here's another dark horse for you, and this is one I'm so happy you didn't say. How about Tristan Jari? He stole that job, didn't he? Stole the job. Stole the job, and he's really good. So I, I would I throw him in that in the conversation. And maybe if you want to take maybe the best team in hockey label, maybe Philip Grubauer puts his way into the discussion from Colorado. Could be, but that's uh that's more of a you know the whole is better than the sum of its parts kind of situation. Yes, uh, I, I, I agree with you. Gru- is with their skaters. Yeah, Grubauer is nowhere near the level of Carey Price, Duke Rask, Vasilevsky, even even Katahat. Uh, you know, he's he's nowhere near that conversation. But he could be, considering the team in front of him is absolutely outstanding. For sure, bud. Okay. Wow, that was, that was really nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. I heard that. <laughs> All right. So we are now. On to who is going to win the Hart Trophy, who is going to be league MVP. This was a very tough one for me. I'm going first. I'm giving mine so that way nobody steals this. It's not Artemi Panarin. Don't worry about it. I'd call you a homer. Yeah. It's Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon is winning the Hart. I think this this is his time to win the Hart Trophy. He is, you want to say he's top five in the league. You want to say he's top three in the league. That's fine. He's one of the top five players in the National Hockey League. He's going to produce. Nathan McKinnon is winning the Hart Trophy. Respectable pick. Andrew, you want to give yours? 
Yeah, um, I think that, you know, we're, we always, the, the greats, like greatness, you get to a point where you're so great that you're not mentioned with the greats because you're just so considered to be there. And that's Connor McDavid. I think this guy is so up there, like a Mike Trout, like every year that he gets kind of washed away. And after the way that they had their experience in the bubble, losing to a Blackhawks team that was worse than them, you know, I think this whole Oilers squad is going to be motivated this year. And I think that uh, McDavid is going to really shoulder a lot of it on himself. Helps to have Leon Dreisaitl driving the second line, but I think McDavid, you know, he's already fastest skater in the league, best shot, you know. I think he takes the heart this year. It's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick. It's a very safe one. Connor? Uh, I actually had the same idea as you, and I think it right now is probably uh, fav, like the favorite pick, um, Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty easy choice as long as they perform the way that everyone thinks they're going to. Right. So – yeah, Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. Right, and we, like we should be talking more about the Oilers and how potentially deadly they could be because they've ripped off now what four of the last six Hart trophies, something like that. Yeah, no, they're going to be they're going to be really title. good. They have they have a top six that matches up with anybody. No, they are going to be really really good, the Oilers, and we are now getting into the part of the show where we're going to discuss the playoffs. So here's how we're going to do it: we are going to start. With the East, you guys are going to rattle off your eight teams. If you want to give out who you think wins each division, that is totally fine. Um, so we are going to start with Connor. So, Connor. Man, you love making me go first, don't you? Well, Andrew went first the last time. So now you're – Andrew went first the last time. Then it was me. So now it's you again. I know. That's got to give you a hard time. You know that. Sure. All right. So I guess I'll just go – I'll say my winner – or I'll, you know what? I'll do the division, who I have from each division, and then yeah, I'll just I'll, run through run through the eight teams, and then after we go through the East, then we go through the West, then we're getting to the Stanley Cup. So save your winner so, before we get to the Stanley Cup. So you want to do eight and eight, and then we'll do the four, and then two. Yeah, that's fine. All right, go for it. Floor so is yours. I got the fly. So Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I have. Washington, Pittsburgh, and Boston. Okay. And then to finish it off for that quote-unquote Eastern division, I guess that we're calling it, have Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Montreal. And then okay. for the West, I have – these are a little mixed up. So they're not, they're not by division. Unless you want me to do it like that, I can do it. No, you don't have to. But so for the West, I have Tampa, mm-hmm. Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, St. Louis, Minnesota, Nashville, and Carolina. Interesting. We ba- at least between you and I, we basically had the same minus two. Okay. Minus two. Uh, Andrew, you want to give us your East and your West? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that Philadelphia, like you said, Elaine Vigneault, the regular season god, 
propels the Flyers to the number one seed in the Eastern Division. I think Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin are able to will the Penguins to the number two seed in the East. I think the Rangers complete the ascent to the number three seed. And I think the Bruins get it. Although it's a, it's a slightly weaker version of the Bruins that we all know and love that play that brand of hockey. I think the loss of Chara really, really hurts them this year. Um, and then from the North division to face uh, the eventual champion of the East, I'm going to go with um, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. Hmm. Very interesting. Calgary. Yeah. That's one that nobody is talking about. Calgary has all the pieces. I know they've been disappointing, but it's rivalry games all year this year. That's, that's what we have to remember. You know, they're not going to go and play teams that they don't know. And I think that, Calgary behind Kachuk. They play that filthy, dirty hockey this year. I think that, you know, the more passion that there is in, in, the, in a team's game, the better that they will do this year. So I think that Calgary gets in. Um, and then your West, please. My West is going to be yes, sir. the Golden Knights, the Blues, and the Avalanche are all three elite NHL teams that could potentially mm-hmm. win the and that is the crazy part about the West Division, because after that, it's trash. <laughs> yeah. Out of, well. out of the heaping pile of garbage that is the rest of the Western Division, Minnesota is probably the next best team, but they're Minnesota and they're not going to make it. So I think that the, the Sharks sneak in as the four seed. That was, honestly, that was one that I was considering as well to take, to take the place of Minnesota, but I ended up picking Minnesota. Right. You know, they have, they're, they're the definition of a mediocre team and losing yeah. Koivu, I think like Chara and the Bruins, it's going to have an impact on them. Um, as far as the rest of the division goes, the Ducks still don't really have a lot of firepower. The, yeah. the Coyotes, while they might have the reverse retros <laughs> to charge them to however far they might go, I don't think it's going to be very far because they're a fucked roster that got yeah. annihilated in the playoffs last year. And well, I think if you talk to uh, Biz, he might tell you different. Yeah, well, I mean, Biz works for them, so I would too. <laughs> That's true. He kind of has to, right? Um, but b- beyond what's on the ice, off the ice, the situation's even darker. And, you know, NHL players are adults and, you know, futures way heavy on their adults' minds. And I think that uh, Arizona takes a step back. Um, and then the Kings, I have a forever implicit bias on the Kings, but they're still realistically not quite contending yet. So I think San Jose has all the names they had. They, they brought back their big boys and uh, they, they, they kind of find their winning ways here in a weird year where, again, you play your rivals all the time. And what about the other division in the West? In the Central Division, a, a, kind of a mirror image. Same thing with very top-heavy division. I think Tampa Bay and Dallas get in. You know, how often do you have a division where the Stanley Cup final from the year before is inside that division? Uh, it's probably since the 70s when they put Montreal and Boston out of the same division. Um, other than those two, uh, I think Carolina gets in, and I think the Blue Jackets get in. Interesting. Interesting. I Outside, outside of Dallas, which is one that 
I'm not too crazy about, but yeah, Tyler I like Sagan it. is not going to hurt them as bad as you think uh, is what I believe. No, I just don't think that they're a very good team. I think they are frauds. I think they're efforts. Even with Miro, he's and Jamie, Ben, mm-hmm. all the superstar talent that, that grinded them through a gauntlet of a Western conference. They last have a, year. they have a really good roster. I don't, th- I don't think they make it this year. That's a hot take. You should really be betting on this. I, I might have to after this. I might have to go place a little wager on it. Uh, all right. So my Eastern Western Conference, I have the Washington Capitals winning the division, followed by the Bruins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New York Islanders. I'm shocked nobody put the Islanders in, in the playoffs. I think they are all bias aside, all implicit bias aside. I think the Islanders are a really, really good team. And they'll squeak in in what should be a very, very, very close Eastern division. Uh, in the North, I have Vancouver winning the North, then followed by Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. Then in the West Central Division, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Central, followed by the Carolina Hurricanes, the Nashville Predators, which I'm shocked no one put in there. And the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have the Blue Jackets doing what they do every single year, finding a way, grinding it out with John Tortorella, the apple of my eye, the love of my life, leading them back into the playoffs again. That's that's my exact reasoning for throwing uh, Columbus back into the playoffs. Interesting. This is this is just what John Tortorella does. He, he Wait, does I had this. I had Nashville. You did have Nashville. I did have Nashville. Okay. I was going to say, you were like, nobody else had him. I'm looking at my paper, and I'm like, I have okay. Nashville written down. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I've, okay, I apologize. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. that's fair. I apologize. And then from the West, Colorado's winning that, followed by the Vegas Golden Knights, then the St. Louis Blues, and then I have the Minnesota Wild, but very, very close. And I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to be very much in this race, and I think the San Jose Sharks as well are going to be in this race. All right. So that is the conferences done. Let's get to the cup final boys. I'll give mine first. Then we'll go to Connor. Then we'll go to Andrew. My winner from the West. I'm going with the Vegas golden Knights. My winner from the East. I'm going with the Boston Bruins. And I'm going with the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. Wow. In a year that the Bruins lose two of their best defensemen. Yep. Yep, because, because, and this was someone that I should have mentioned as a potential breakout player, I think Charlie McAvoy takes a big step up this year. I guess I must be a little more woke than the hockey consensus, but that's another guy that I already considered like more of a top flight player than not. He doesn't get, he doesn't get as much credit as people think. But I think now, now that you have no Krug, now that you have no Chara, McAvoy is going to be asked to play top tier minutes and he's going to show how really good he is. And I think that that took a rask, you're going to get Pasternak back probably in February at some point, maybe mid-February. So when he comes back and you have the Bruins just playing full force, they're going to be really, really tough to play against. And um, I just think it's Vegas this time. I think Vegas, they're, they're due. 
They're due to win one. And I love the story. So Vegas is winning the Stanley Cup this year. That is my prediction. Connor, the floor is yours. That's your hot take. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. Are we, are we just doing the winner from the East, winner from the West? Winner from the East, winner we did from it? the West, and I then love. your final winner. In the final, okay. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you put all four in there, but you did say you did say your four when you were going through the divisions. So, my hot take. Okay. Not really surprising on the West. I have Colorado. From the East, I have Philadelphia. Now, the Stanley Cup decision was very difficult to make. Right. Yeah. I think in that situation, Colorado would be favored. And as much as I would like to say that Philadelphia would win, I think it would be close. But I took Colorado. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick. Philadelphia just, Philadelphia is interesting. I know. I, I just it's a it's a little far fetched. But I, that's, um, you know what? That big. You're going to die in the flyer. So I can, I can appreciate it. Hey, I picked, I picked Vegas. So there's going to be, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Vegas was tough. I mean, I think the best chance that they've had was, you know, when they played the Capitals, but they played the Capitals. Cause that was a storybook season. Yeah. But they could be a better team now than when they were, when they played the Caps. That is true. And I think if there's any team, there's any team that could match up to Colorado, it's Tampa. And I was going to say Tampa. Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. I think both can definitely match up to, uh, to Colorado. Andrew, your final prediction, please, sir. All right. So I think in a conference final of Pittsburgh versus Edmonton, that the Oilers will prevail in a matchup that, the TV networks love. NBC Sports would love that. Yes, they would. And I think on the other side of the bracket, we see the Vegas Golden Knights and their overpowered expansion draft team <laughs> plus <laughs> woke analytic GM thinking match up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then I think we have a Tampa repeat in the cup final. However, Connor McDavid Leo Dreisaitl, they go all the way, and they take the cup. Wow. Hot takes. I mean, that would be an unbelievable Stanley Cup final. Tampa Bay versus Edmonton? Oh, my God. That'd be great. Especially because, you know, you don't even think of the Edmonton defense or the goaltending necessarily, but to even get to that point, they'd have to break out at some point. So the matchup would be A-plus on every front. Yeah. I think I might have the most boring of the Stanley Cup finals that no one would want to watch. Vegas uh, and Boston. I think that right? is like that that is probably yeah. the one that no one would want to watch. Between all the salty fans at Vegas's two finals appearances in their first four years and yep. all the salty fans that just hate Boston. That hate Boston and don't want to see Boston playing in the Stanley Boston Cup final. Win, yeah. NBC would fold if that was the Stanley Cup. And NB- NBC would, would fold. NBC would completely, completely fold. They would combust. 
I mean, I would love to watch the Avs and the Flyers. That would be that would be another really that would be phenomenal Stanley Cup final. Awful uniform matchup though. Orange and maroon going at it. No, no, I can't. Yeah, no, that that would. I agree with you, but that was that was from another podcast. (laughs) That was that was from our last. Hey, Wait, can means- I can I do a, uh, a jersey collection update? Because I've been, uh, I've been oh, popping please. off recently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so I uh, just recently received a 2016 Montreal Canadiens uh, P.K. Subban jersey. And then uh, in the mail, coming out of Florida, but it's not a Florida team. It is a 2014 Pavel Datsuk Winter Classic. Ooh. They just pulled the trigger on that last Ooh. week. Uh, I've been looking for that one for months, and for some reason, in the last two weeks, three popped up on eBay that were not fake. So it was uh, kind of like I had to pounce pounce on one of them thanks to the stimulus. So uh, that's what's going on in the pipeline right now, and uh, I'm looking forward to maybe uh, probably a Buffalo Sabers goat head, or maybe my first reverse retro next. So who knows? Avs, Avs reverse retro. It's the way. Oh, I but I have to go Rangers first before. Mm, I- that's true. That's true. So, you have to get you have to get yourself a modern, so, uh, modern I, Lady Liberty. Yeah. So, I, but I've seen a cool trend online where people get the modern jersey with like a Brian Leach or a Messier on the back, Ooh. complete the reverse retro. So maybe I go with that direction also. Ooh, I like that. You know, speaking of jerseys, I'll have to at some point show you guys my NHL hat collection. Oh, please do. They are very interesting, and I think. They could be considered rare, in a sense. They are from Mitchell and Ness. If you don't know, it is a Philadelphia-based company that, you know, they right now are doing a lot of NFL, NBA, and MLB. Um, They they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're all over the place, Mitchell and Ness. They do a retro series for hockey journeys, so... Heroes of hockey. Well, they yep, since so NHL went to Adidas instead of Reebok, they actually lost their license, their their licensing to produce NHL apparel. So they no longer can sell, you know, jerseys, t-shirts, hats, or anything like that. So their Mitchell and Ness specifically is only NFL, MLB, and NBA. Which yeah, is why I said quote unquote they could be rare. Right. No, I'm seeing a lot of Mitchell and Ness heroes of hockey on the secondhand market. Obviously not. Oh uh, yeah. Because they, they used right to. Now. So yeah, people are probably selling them on eBay or you yeah, know offer sure. up whatever it is. You just send to the Smithsonian. Seriously, they could be worth something. One day. They could. They could probably not. But no, I'll definitely have to show you guys that though because it, it hey, is quite interesting. Hey Ed, is there a uh, is there a basement talk Instagram? I feel like that'd be a perfect place to showcase that we could we could create one we could create one i think that that's something that we'll uh we'll have that to might be a worthy investment tip. you know grow I, the game make a expansion i want to see ed doing some tiktok dances oh, please definitely sign some me up cringy shit i'd make Jesus. a tiktok account just to watch that i'd follow one person and be this i would like every single one of those videos I would comment and subscribe on other websites where subscriptions to individuals are what is up. This Two is, left feet, boys. Two this is a free feet. ad for Ed's OnlyFans account. Only Two left what? feet. One free ad 
we're changing that. We're changing the hashtag. Hashtag one free ad, and that's for Ed Birdsall's OnlyFans account. I'm sorry. What is it? Was OnlyFans? You don't know what OnlyFans is. What is that? <laughs> this podcast is taking a hard right turn. It, y- yes, it is, Andrew. We you know what Patreon we, we is. Look- Patreon, of course. It's just, it's where you subscribe to individual people and pay them for their content. It's Patreon for nudes. What's a nude? Thank you for listening to the Basement Talk podcast. <laughs> this was a wonderful <laughs> exercise. Pleasure to have both of you on, Connor and Andrew. And I am sure that you will be on the Basement Talk podcast quizvitational very soon because that is getting relaunched. And the first episode is going to be record on, recorded on Friday with a release over the weekend. So make sure you go and check that out. Make sure you are subscribed and make sure you listen to the Basement Talk Podcast. Make sure you listen to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, even though that we are in the offseason. The Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show is still going on. Catch up on all the old quizitationals if you want. And the Basement Talk Podcast Debate, which Connor and Andrew were both on, which was a great time for all parties involved. So, for Jake, for Connor, for Andrew, I'm Bert. Bye-bye. Choices I've only